If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. Uh, wait, what did he say? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Why did I? I got the feeling that something right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, people-powered radio, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 93 FM WLRI. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio, WGRN 94.1 FM. Palinville, New York, 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. Brad Friedman here, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. And yes, we are really going to get to your calls today. Really, get in line. At least I think. Uh, that was until the breaking news uh, just just before going on air. But uh, but we'll see. One way or another, I will make room for it. 818-985-5735 will be our phone number. 818-985-5735. If there's anything you'd like to ask me about, talk about, sound off about, I'd love to hear from you. We've been, um, we've been talking a lot on this show in the last few days. Download them all for free, by the way, if you if you missed any of them at bradblog.com or kpfk.org at the archives. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the uh, about the election, of course, and the incredibly good voting news out of courts all over the country, both state and federal courts. Uh, we continue to talk about that. Uh, and uh, that is uh, some of the breaking news that I've got for you today in a little bit. Uh, some somewhat disturbing, frankly, after uh, a string of really good court rulings across the country. So we'll get to that in a bit. We've also been talking about what uh, Bernie Sanders voters might want to do now. Uh, we've been speaking with some hardcore Sanders supporters about it, uh, some of whom have decided there is no choice for them, at least, but to vote for Hillary Clinton, at least in uh, at least for voters in swing states. Um. We've been talking about the threat that Donald Trump poses to the globe. And yes, I believe he does. And speaking about the dangers that uh, Trump poses to the globe, uh, Desi Doyen will be joining us with the Green News Report in a little oh, bit. Yes. How it's are a you fun guys? One. Is it? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Uh, it, actually, it sounds kind of like a science fiction horror movie this well, week. Well, it doesn't to be, so uh, much these days. Good point. 
Well, well said. Uh, that's Desi Doyne. She'll be back with us in a little bit for the Green News Report and more. Uh, all right. There's something I want to ring in, though, uh, about specifically before we get to the phones here. Uh, it was just two months ago when British Member of Parliament Joe Cox, remember her? She was murdered in the lead up to the Brexit referendum vote in Great Britain by some crazy guy who shot and stabbed her while reportedly shouting, Britain first! When the alleged uh, killer in that case was arraigned in court, he said, uh, my name is death to traitors, freedom for Britain. That's what he said in court. Witnesses said that uh, he repeatedly stabbed and shot the woman who was a young British lawmaker who opposed the Brexit. And when he did, he was shouting, Britain first, keep Britain independent. Britain always comes first. This is for Britain, etc." as he killed the lawmaker. So, you know, he was just being patriotic with his murder, apparently. Now, those backing the Leave campaign in the European Union uh, uh, did not call on their supporters to murder opponents. But they did exploit the notion that Britain's ties to the European Union and the open borders that come with it, that, the, that they were directly endangering the citizenry. The crazy man who, who killed MP Joe Cox... Uh, thought he was just he was just being patriotic. He was just trying to make Britain great again, after all. So it is with that in mind, uh, along with our long and continuing and also very recent history of right wing domestic terrorism in the U.S., that I just want to share a few thoughts on the remarks made by Donald Trump on Tuesday during his uh, during his rally in North Carolina. I'm sure you've heard it by now, but uh, here are just a few seconds that has caused so much controversy over the past uh, 12 or 18 hours. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. Oh, yes. Get it? Maybe the Second Amendment people can do something. Now, by the way, Hillary does not want to abolish the Second Amendment. If you like her or you don't like her, uh, let's try to stick to the facts. She's not interested in abolishing the Second Amendment. But Donald Trump's remarks uh, to that end, the Second Amendment people who might take action after Hillary is elected and after when it is her her time, if she's elected, to appoint uh, justices to the Supreme Court. The idea that, oh, maybe the Second Amendment people can do something about that. No one else can. That remark uh, came in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was uh, when Trump was talking about, uh, you know, the important he was comparing the importance of her part of his party, his selection as president versus her selection as president and how important it is uh, that Republicans are allowed to fill the vacant seat on the Supreme Court now with Scalia gone. Uh, and the uh, at least uh, three other uh, uh, justices, three other seats that are likely to open up during the next presidency with uh, three different uh, uh, justices right now who will be in their 80s uh, during the next presidency. So he made this remark. It sure sounded like he was, uh, you know, offering this dog whistle out there about the Second Amendment people. 
that they may be able to take action, even if the electorate doesn't, even if the electorate chooses Hillary Clinton. The Clinton campaign, for their part, uh, did not see it as a joke. They said this is simple. What Trump is saying is dangerous. A person seeking to be the president of the United States should not suggest violence in any way. The Trump campaign responded saying, well, it's dishonest media who has made something of this that they shouldn't. And they put out a statement saying uh, what he was really talking about was the power of unification. Second Amendment, quote, Second Amendment people have amazing spirit and are tremendously unified, which gives them great political power. And this year they will be voting in record numbers and it won't be for Hillary Clinton. It will be for Donald Trump. That's what Jason Miller, the uh, Trump campaign spokesperson, said after these uh, remarks set off this, uh, this firestorm. Now, he was not talking about the Second Amendment people, the power of unification, because he was talking about after the election, after Hillary Clinton has already been elected, if she becomes elected. The National Rifle Association then weighed in. Of course they did. The terrorists uh, supporting NRA saying that Donald Trump is right about his comments. They tweeted, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is right. If Hillary Clinton gets to pick her anti-Second Amendment Supreme Court judges, there's nothing we can do. Well, that's actually not exactly what Donald Trump said. He said maybe the Second Amendment people can do something about it. I don't know. A former top Secret Service uh, uh, official told Time magazine that if they were still working uh, at the Secret Service, they would contact someone on Trump's campaign staff to have a conversation about whether he understands the consequences of that kind of rhetoric. The official also told Time they would uh, contact the U.S. attorney to see if uh, Trump broke any laws with his comments. And they're quoted as saying, look, this guy is coming pretty close to the edge here. And uh, he considered it, or this official, man or woman, I don't know, considered it to be a veiled threat against Hillary Clinton. He went on to say that if this was some guy off the street and they made that statement, you'd go out and interview them. You don't know, uh, you don't know what you're encouraging other people to do when you make a statement like that. Michael Hayden, uh, the NSA... The NSA had, well, let me actually, I'll get to that in a moment, because I want to, some of the other people who rang in on this, is, it's kind of amazing. Um, the real Donald Trump on the Twitters came out and said, media is desperate to distract from Clinton's anti-Second Amendment stance. I said pro-Second Amendment citizens must organize and get out the vote to save our Constitution. Of course, that's not what he said at all. Ann Coulter, remember her, an actual voter fraud uh, felon? Ann Coulter, yeah. She, she tweeted, I just woke from a nap to an all-new fake media scandal about Trump. He's joking about assassinating Hillary, in all caps. She apparently did not get the message that he, he wasn't talking about assassinating Hillary at all. All he was talking about was Second Amendment people coming out to vote against her, right? He wasn't joking about assassinating Hillary. Now, listen, I think Trump is actually funny. I've lived in uh, New York for years. I get I understand his sense of humor. I actually thought it was funny when he said, I prefer war heroes who weren't captured. I hate to tell you, I thought that was kind of funny, funny line, offensive, dumb politics. Yes, but kind of a funny line. Even the other day, he said, I I've always wanted to get a Purple Heart, but this was much easier. Kind of a funny line. Yes, horrible taste. 
but, you know, a kind of funny line in and of itself. If you've listened to the Bradcast or, or you've read the Brad blog over the years, you know that I'm kind of snarky myself when it comes to this sort of thing. But you don't joke about assassinations, particularly when you're a presidential candidate and you have the kind of audience that Donald Trump does. You just don't do that. That makes you an idiot frankly, and someone who clearly does not have the judgment to be president of the United States, even in the best of interpretations of that line. You just don't say it. Sorry, you don't. So the Secret Service said anybody else would be uh, uh, interviewed if they said something like that at the very least. Michael Hayden who headed the NSA under George W. Bush. He said something similar when he was asked about this on, uh, on CNN last night. If someone else had said that outside the hall, he'd be in the back of a police wagon now with the Secret Service questioning him. That was Michael Hayden. Now, uh, damn uh, Donald Trump to hell for making me get behind Michael Hayden and support anything that he or, you know, the rest of his pals from the George W. Bush national security apparatus had have to say. But unfortunately, yeah, I had to get behind them this week when they came out and they said that uh, George W. Bush would be, quote, the most reckless president in American history. And these are George W. Bush's people saying this, calling Donald Trump the most reckless president in American history. Those people don't even know what reckless is, apparently. So uh, Hayden went on to say uh, it may be an incredible insensitivity to the prevalence of political assassination inside of American history and how that is a topic that we don't ever come close to, even when we think we're trying to be lighthearted, said Hayden. He said he used to tell his uh, senior uh, uh, executives at the CIA, he also headed the CIA, that you, you get to a certain point in this business, you're not just responsible for what you say, you are responsible for what people hear. True dat. Um, Donald Trump's uh, assassination dog whistle, according to David S. Cohen at uh, Rolling Stone, was even scarier than you think. He points out, he, he writes, uh, though most of the people hearing that call may claim that Donald Trump was joking, given what we know about people taking up arms in this country, there will undoubtedly be some people who think he was serious and consider the possibility. In other words, Cohen writes, what Trump just did is engaged in so-called stochastic terrorism. No, not sarcastic terrorism, stochastic, stochastic terrorism. He says this is an obscure uh, term that has been occasionally discussed in the academic world for the past decade and a half. It applies with precision here. He says stochastic terrorism means using language and other forms of communication to incite random actors to carry out violent or terrorist acts that are statistically predictable, but individually unpredictable. He says, OK, let's break that down uh, in the context of what Trump said. Predicting any one particular individual following uh, Trump's call, his seeming call to use violence against Clinton or her judges is statistically impossible. But we can predict that there could be a presently unknown lone wolf who hears that call and takes action in the future. Stated differently, Trump puts out the dog whistle knowing that some dog will hear it, even though he doesn't know which dog. 
David Cohn says those of us who work against anti-abortion violence unfortunately know all about this. He cites uh, Valerie Tarico, who wrote about this form of terrorism following the Planned Parenthood murders in Colorado Springs last November. Remember those? Back when uh, that guy, he shot nine, he killed three at Planned Parenthood. You might not have heard a lot about it because there was a whole bunch of other shootings right around that time. And, of course, uh, the corporate media would rather report on, you know, the threat from ISIS than the threat from domestic terrorists uh, attacking Planned Parenthood uh, clinics, as they have done for so many years. In any event, uh, writing after that event, uh, Tariko said that the pattern uh, she noted uh, well, the pattern that she noted at that time when she was writing about stochastic terrorism is 100 percent applicable to Donald Trump and his supporters right now. Here's what she wrote back in November. One, a public figure about stochastic terrorism. One, a public figure with access to the airwaves or pulpit demonizes a person or group of persons. Well, that has certainly happened with Hillary Clinton. She's been demonized. She's evil. She's uh, crooked Hillary. She's Hillary rotten Clinton. Throw her in jail. Lock her up. Repeated over and over again throughout the Republican National Convention. Two, Tariko wrote back again, writing back in November about the Planned Parenthood murders, too. With repetition, the targeted person or group is gradually dehumanized, depicted as loathsome and dangerous, arousing a combustible combination of fear and moral disgust. Three, violent images and metaphors, jokes, jokes. It's just a joke, a joke about violence, analogies to past purges against reviled groups. You know, gun grabber Hillary, she's coming to take your guns. Use of righteous religious language. All of these typically stop short of an explicit call to arms. So they don't do it explicitly. They just sort of hint about it. They joke about it. Four, when violence erupts, the public figures who have incited the violence, they condemn it, claiming no one could have possibly foreseen such a tragedy. Who could have known? Now, you may remember uh, years ago, back in 2009, uh, we spent quite a bit of time uh, reporting on Bill O'Reilly after the murder of uh, uh, Dr. George Tiller in Kansas. Uh, And because at the time, uh, the folks on the right, that's exactly what they were doing. Who could have foreseen it? We had no idea. We couldn't have uh, foreseen such a tragedy could happen. That's exactly what the right-wing anti-choice movement has been doing for years. That's what folks with the big microphones like Bill O'Reilly did over and over and over again before Dr. George Tiller in Kansas was murdered, before he was shot in in the head in his own church. Bill O'Reilly then came out and said, what? I didn't say anything about George. I never told anybody to kill him here. just, Just a few seconds. He did this dozens of times on Fox News. Killing babies in America, that's the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. Tiller, the baby killer, as some call him, will perform a late-term abortion for just about any reason. You should be very disturbed by what continues to happen in Kansas. This man, Dr. George Tiller, known as Tiller the baby killer, Tiller has killed thousands, thousands of late-term fetuses without explanation. No question, Dr. Tiller has blood on his hands. Tiller the baby killer out in Kansas has got to be a special place in hell for this guy. So he did that. He did that over and over again. And then when George Tiller was shot, 
uh, Bill O'Reilly, uh, when he was shot by a right-wing anti-abortion zealot uh, in church, O'Reilly, you know, hey, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't call for him to be killed. Right. He was just kill- he was He was joking. It was a, was a joke. Well, no, he wasn't joking. He was killing babies by the thousands in an ongoing baby-killing factory. But no, he's not responsible if somebody wants to stop the killing, stop the killing, the murder of babies. In the same way, our our Constitution and our country and everything that we stand for is being actively destroyed by Hillary Clinton and by the Democrats. So isn't it your patriotic duty to save the country, to put Britain first? I'm sorry, to put America first? It's the same thing. It's the same thinking, after all. So, uh, you know, he Donald Trump and his campaign and his supporters and the NRA, they can pretend their way out of saying that this was a call to assassination if they like. But I'll tell you what, if I said something like that, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't much matter, you know, if I was joking about it. For one, I would not do it. But either way, I'm not running for president of the United States. And someone unhinged enough to even utter those words and not realize what it sounds like, for Christ's sake, I'm on the radio five days a week and I'm aware of what it is I'm saying and I don't have any kind of audience the way Donald Trump does. You know, so we're talking about electing someone president of the United States who's unhinged enough to even utter that as a joke? This cannot be someone who becomes president of the United States. All right. I'm going to take a break because we still have that breaking news. And I I had more I wanted to do on this and some related stories. I'll just I'll just toss this out before we go to the break. Seventy eight percent of North Carolina voters now support barring those on the terror watch list from buying guns. 78%. That's not a surprise in North Carolina. What's kind of a surprise is that more Republicans are now calling to uh, uh, bar those on the terror watch list from buying guns. 81% of Republicans think that those on the terror watch list should not be able to buy guns. 81% of Republicans in North Carolina versus 78% of Democrats and 73% of independents. Well, that's good. That's good. Not that the Republicans, not that the terrorists supporting NRA, uh, not that Donald Trump has heard them. Uh, apparently, those people don't care about their voters. Oddly enough, I do care about those, those voters, and I care about every single one of them being able to vote if they want to. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with the good news and the breaking bad news uh, and your calls at 818-985-5735 on all of the above. 818-985-KPFK or anything else you want to talk about right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now.
Desi Doyen, are you required to do that by law, by yes. Texas law, yes, since as, you were born in Texas? Yes, as a born and raised Texan, sixth generation Texan, yes, I am required to You must to clap do that. your hands when you hear that song. That's At what all I times. thought. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Going to get to your calls momentarily, 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Well, it is now official in what the Brennan Center for Justice descri- describes correctly. As a major victory for voting rights advocates nationwide, a federal district court has now officially entered an order to ease to all but cut the knees out from under Texas's strict photo ID restriction law. The remedy agreed to by the state, by the state Republicans, which had order they were ordered to do so basically by the federal court, will now allow voters Uh, Without the very narrow types of photo ID required by a Republican law, which was put in place in order to disenfranchise Democratic-leaning voters, it will allow them to now be able to cast a regular ballot this November. Good. Thank God. The uh, Texas voting restriction was first adopted by uh, Republicans back in 2011. It was repeatedly blocked by courts thereafter including the most right-wing U.S. appellate court in the nation, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which found uh, in just a couple of weeks ago that the law was discriminatory and it was in violation of the Voting Rights Act. So they and multiple federal courts, as well as the U.S. Department of Justice, found that law, the Texas law, racially discriminatory, and it is now effectively struck down in Texas, at least for this November's election. Uh, Texas is still trying to figure out a a way to push it through the Supreme Court somehow, which they will be able to do if a Republican is elected president and allowed to appoint another right wing justice. But for now, the good news, approximately some 600,000 already registered Texas voters who did not have acceptable ID that would have been required, that had been required under that original strict law. Those voters and hundreds of thousands of other eligible voters, eligible legal voters, who wouldn't have been able to vote this year in the Lone Star State, will now be able to do so if they choose to exercise that right. Uh, That's the good news out of Texas. We had similarly good news out of North Carolina. And uh, North Carolina, as a very tight swing state right now, the latest poll from uh, PPP out uh, today, I think, shows Hillary Clinton now up by one point in North Carolina after Donald Trump had been leading for months out there in North Carolina. That state has gone back and forth. It went to Obama in 2008, went to Mitt Romney in 2012. So the uh, few hundred thousand voters who will now be able to get uh, to cast their vote in North Carolina could make all the difference one way or another uh, in North Carolina. So there's a couple of pieces of good news. Some not so good news now out of Wisconsin, where just a few weeks ago we did have uh, two federal rulings, federal court rulings in a row ordering those Republicans to weaken their photo ID restriction after that same uh, photo ID restriction law was found to be unconstitutional, was found to be a violation of the Voting Rights Act. Well, now the state of Wisconsin has again challenged that. They went back to federal court, to the uh, federal appellate court, and they got the same three-judge, uh, Republican three-judge panel. Uh, what is this? Uh, two Reagan appointees and one George W. Bush appointee. Um, to to somehow agree with them that though the federal court 
the lower the district court had ordered uh, that voters be allowed to sign an affidavit to uh, exercise their right to vote on a normal ballot, to sign an affidavit saying that they were uh, uh, unable to obtain a qualifying photo ID with reasonable effort. That's what the judge came up with, uh, Judge Edelman, the federal judge. Um, Now these three judges on the Seventh Circuit, one of whom, well, three of whom had previously allowed this law to stand. Now they're doing it again. And at the time, uh, last year, I think it was, was it last year or was it back in 2014 at this point? I don't know. They did it on the basis of, well, you need a photo ID to get on an airplane after all. Well, no, you don't need a photo ID to get on an airplane. And apparently the Seventh Circuit, uh, these three Seventh Circuit uh, Court judges, the U.S. Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, did not even know that, did not even know that, yes, if you don't have a photo ID, you can still get on an airplane. It'll take you a little bit longer. But they're not going to uh, the airlines are not going to turn away the 30 million Americans who don't have photo ID. So these three judges have done it again. Uh, this has gone back and forth and back and forth in the state of Wisconsin. Every time they look at the actual facts, they find that this law is discriminatory. And um Then the appellate court, these Republicans on the appellate court, reminding you once again how important federal judges are, they keep saying, no, here's a reason I want this back in place. I want I want this restriction back in place. So it's unclear what's going to happen now. But here's what we know. Last time this uh, these three judges did this, the challengers to this restriction law uh, appealed to the entire Seventh Circuit Court and uh, the the Seventh Circuit Court split five to five on uh, on that law, which meant that the three judge the decision by the three judge panel stood. So this a law this restrictive law law was allowed to stay in place because of that five five tie. Well, here's the good news. Since then, as Ian Milheiser notes over at Think Progress today, one of those judges, one of the George W. Bush appointees on that full court went into semi-retirement. So accordingly, the full court is now likely split five to four on photo ID laws with skeptics of those restrictive laws now holding a majority. So this law, at least the stay that was put on it by the uh, three uh, three judges in Wisconsin, this could now be overturned yet again and maybe uh, I, I can't remember what the number was. I want to say some 60,000 voters in Wisconsin who are legally registered voters who would not be able to vote under this law. Maybe this will be overturned yet again in this interminable uh, roller coaster for voters and for voting rights uh, under those people who would like to restrict voting rights, who are trying to keep legal voters from being able to cast their vote uh, for the crime of being uh, democratic or just looking democratic because, you know, they got dark skin or they're students or whatever it is. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I got a few more items here. In general, though, we've had good voting rights news, but the fight's got to continue because there are still some, I think it's 15 different states that have made it harder to vote This year, we still don't have the full Voting Rights Act in place for the first time since it was passed 51 years ago. This will be the first time it's not in place during a uh, during a presidential election. 
So uh, a lot to be aware of, a lot to keep our eyes on. Uh, let's go to the phones a little bit here. Mark in Thousand Oaks. Hey, Mark, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Yes, thank you, Brad. Uh, normally I call and I'm talking about the Bernie or bus movement being a former Bernie moving to, to Hillary. But today I'm kind of compelled to call uh, about, I, I already feel like uh, a Republican dog whistle has already claimed some lives. And I don't, I'm surprised it didn't get much press. Uh, remember when Carly Fiorino went into that big rant about uh, baby parts, and it was that mm-hmm. edited film? Well, it was only about, I, I don't know, a month, not too long after that, when the guy walks into the Planned Parenthood, shoots mm-hmm. up, yep. kills, I think, two or three people. Three. And he was, yep. when, they, when they got him, he was yelling, no more baby parts, no more baby parts. Yep. That's exactly right. He was he was talking about that fake video that those right wingers had put together, claiming that Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts. Yeah, right. that's exactly well, right. These, these words have consequences. They sure as hell do. Thank you, uh, Mark. I All appreciate right. your thought. Sure. Uh, let me go to um, Don in Palisades. Hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, Brad. I was thinking there's a precedent for this um, veiled threats of assassination back in 1995. At a critical phase of the peace process, mm-hmm. um, the right wing in Israel was just freaking out with all these demonstrations and big banners, death Rabin, and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, leading the opposition, was giving speeches behind these banners and leading these marches. Yep. And it got so bad that the Shin Bet went to him and said, "Look, can you tone it down? Because we're getting indications of threats to the prime minister, and he refused to do so." And within 18 months after the assassination, they followed very quickly. He was prime minister. So, you know, you never. You, what we should probably do with Trump is is uh, open an investigation to him. Well, and uh, we don't know. The Secret Service has said they are aware of the remarks. Who knows if they gave him a talking to? A lot of people have been talking over the past 12 hours about asking, is this the first time that somebody who is being protected by the Secret Service is also being investigated by the Secret Service? Right. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. David David K. Johnson just came out of the book. It was just unbelievable uh, crimes, apparently, in his good side's way that uh, if he wants to start pointing the finger at other people for uh, lock her up, she's a criminal and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe he should be liable to the same standard. Yep. Uh, I agree, Don. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the call. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why uh, when I hear people saying, oh, well, you know, uh, the Democrats are terrible. So they're they're pretty much just as bad as the Republicans. And, you know, maybe what they need to be shocked out of how bad they are is for Donald Trump to become president. You know, I I just I don't understand what people like that are are thinking. The people who will be affected by that, uh, the millions of people, not just in this country, but around the world, the planet itself. Uh, you know, you can make a political statement, um, but real, you know, the lives of real people are at stake here. And when you've got someone so uh, unbalanced that he would make a comment like that. You know, A, do you really want his finger on the button? Uh, But B, do you want him? This guy who's, you know, climate change is a hoax created by the Chinese. Do you really want him in charge of the free world? Really? Is that worth it so that you can get Democrats to change rather than run your own people as Democrats, rather than take over the party from within the way, by the way, that Republicans, Republican Tea Partiers took over the Republican Party? 
from within. And they ran out the establishment. They own that joint. The right-wingers obviously own that joint. Otherwise, you could never have a Donald Trump ascend to where he did. 818-985-5735 is our phone number, 818-985-KPFK. You can also reach me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Um, Beowulf Scott says on the Twitters uh, concerning Trump and the Second Amendment, Egyptian student was deported for a sarcastic joke to shoot Trump on Facebook. So there is a double standard, and uh, she links to uh, U.S. News uh, report on that. Uh, 818-985-5735. Let me get to uh, Clark in Venice. Hey, Clark, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Sir. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, does the ability of the Green candidate to get into the presidential debate have have uh, the number of registered voters or the actual vote count of 15 percent? Uh, it's 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 well, it's not the vote count. Uh, and no, it's not the registered voters. It's it, talk about a rigged system. It is 15 uh, percent of the uh, 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 approval by respondents in polls and a number of uh Public opinion polls. But one of the public, you know, one of the things that public opinion polls have not been doing is including uh, Jill Stein uh, and Gary Johnson of Libertarian Party in their in their polling. But if they can start polling an average of 15 percent, then the uh, bipartisan, the Republican and Democratic uh, uh, members of the presidential debate commission or whatever it's called uh will allow those uh, candidates to get in does that answer your question Clark? So well, she's got to do better in in opinion polls yes. yeah it's it seems like uh that corporate uh, america is controlling the elections if the if the polls are privately run mm -hmm. and the debate itself is privately run um that's the most undemocratic uh system i can imagine well, I can imagine more, uh, even less democratic systems, but I take your point and I agree. Yeah, I mean, it is, in that sense, it is it is rigged for the two-party system. The two-party system yes. would very much like it to stay a two-party system. They don't want libertarians, they don't want independents, they don't want Green Party, and, uh, and so they keep them out. Yeah, I mean, I, I've long uh, offered what I think is pretty reasonable. If you are on the ballot... In enough states to win enough electoral votes to become president, then you should be invited into the debates. The, but if it's not a government-controlled system, how do you enforce that? Well, no, if you're on the ballot. So, you know, there's ballot access rules are different from state to state. But if, for example, uh, Jill Stein for the Green Party, if she is on enough ballots enough in enough states that she could win 270 electoral uh, 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 votes, then I think she should be allowed to participate in the debate. Makes but sense? Isn't it still isn't it still the private uh, company which is controlling the debate to determine who, who does and who doesn't? They end up d determining that currently it is the Presidential Commission on Debates that determines the criteria. It used to be the League of Women Voters would sponsor those debates. Um, but I, what Time I'm that. yeah, well, what I'm saying is develop a rule instead of, you know, basing it on opinion polls. 
uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, who knows? Like, you're right. They're run by corporations. Who knows how they, you know, work, how they mess with the numbers, mm -hmm. how they don't. And by the way, and it sort of feeds on itself. So you get more uh, press if you, you know, you're doing better in the opinion polls. And if you do better in the opinion, uh, you know, uh, opinion polls, you'll do you'll be in more media and so forth. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a hard, just a hard rule. If you could if you could win the presidency by having 270 elect by winning 270 electoral votes on Election Day, then uh, you I think you ought to be able to participate in the debates. Then we can take these Thanks, opinion polls out of it. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Clark. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go to uh, Aaron in Valley Village. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the broadcast. Hello there, Brad. I'm thrilled to be here. I loved your show. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to say I admit that Donald Trump, I mean, he's deplorable. There's no way in hell I ever want him to be president. But I campaigned as well as my mother to for Barack Obama back in 2008. Yeah. And one thing that people forget is that when Hillary Clinton was interviewed regarding the primary, why she wasn't getting out because Barack Obama mm -hmm. was kicking her butt, yep. she said, well, you never know what can happen. Yep. Robert F. Kennedy. Yep. <laughs> she did. So, she said uh, yep, Robert so F. I Kennedy. Just make sure that, yep. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, we were already mortified that he was going to be assassinated before. Uh -huh. But we were waiting for the, you know, the Arden Hillary fans. Somebody's mm -hmm. going nuts on it. So, I mean, it isn't like she's completely innocent. <laughs> no. And, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, and, and I, I appreciate that you did. Yeah, we talked about exactly that point a few weeks ago, you know, that she had brought up that point, you know, back when people were calling on uh, uh, Sanders to get out of the race. Uh, exactly. people We had to point out that, no, she had actually stayed in as long or longer, and she did yep. it by distastefully citing the assassination of uh, of RFK in uh, in June, the year that he was yep. running. Appreciate that reminder, Aaron. Thank you very much. Thank Greatly you appreciate. Thank you very it. much, Brad. You bet. Take care. You bet. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Dr. Tucker uh, on the Twitters uh, to me at the Brad blog uh, also uh, remembers the uh, Bill O'Reilly comments about George Tiller and uh, and adds that uh, that seems to be what Bill O'Reilly is now trying to do with Black Lives Matter. Uh, indeed, turning them into, you know, villainizing them. And uh, making them uh, targets by talking how violent they are and when they're not. Uh, people who have a micro before I was even on the radio, just at bradblog.com, uh, you know, I would be very careful about what it was that I said. I, you know, I remember, you know, seeing a list of readers at the time, uh, commenters getting really worked up, getting really angry. Now, there was a lot, uh, plenty of reason to be angry. Uh, particularly during the uh, Bush, George W. Bush years. Um, but I was aware of that. And, you know, all I had was a lousy blog, uh, you know, much less the, the, the megaphone, the bully pulpit of running for president. It's just amazing to me. Uh, all right, let me go to 818-985-5735. Uh, uh, Mike in Lomita. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. I just wanted to say that if Donald Trump wants to make America great again, he will renounce his citizenship. This country is a laughingstock owing to his candidacy. <laughs> he is a too pretty loose cannon. He has talked about there being a insurrection if he's not elected. Then he said the vote is going to be rigged, and now he's calling for people to assassinate his opponent if she is elected. 
this is beyond the pale. If you walked into an airport and made a joke about a bomb, you would be in jail. So should he. Well said, uh, Mike. Appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. Um, one caller uh, couldn't hold here, um, but uh, was talking about uh, Trump's well, I don't want it. ties, alleged ties, we should say, uh, to the mafia. And so his loose words were similar to the mafia's words to take care of it. When he says, yeah, you know, the Second Amendment people, maybe they can take care of it. Uh, Andrew uh, from Santa Monica asks, how does voting Stein in California help her get on the ballot in all 50 states? It doesn't. I- I'm not sure where uh, he got that impression. Um, she's either on the ballot or she's not uh, come uh, primary day. I'm not sure what Andrew was was referring to there. Uh, but we were we were talking yesterday with um, uh, Ernie Canning, uh, who is a longtime legal analyst at Bradblog.com, but he hasn't been around much over the past year because he's been working for the uh, uh, Sanders uh, Vets for Sanders. I'm sorry, Vets for Bernie.org. Uh, and we've been talking about, you know, how uh, Bernie Sanders uh, voters may wish to proceed. And I think basically, and he wrote about it, go read his argument, looking at all of the various possibilities at bradblog.com in an article that he posted yesterday called Revolution at a Crossroad. Um, and he goes through all of the uh, all of the possibilities, makes a good uh, case well, you know what? I'll just point you over there and find out what he says. Or you can download yesterday's program at bradblog.com. Uh, Let me go to, uh, oh, good. Morris is calling in from Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, uh, good, 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 uh, good afternoon, Brad. Brad, you may not know this. Voter suppression is a necessity to the maintenance of our social order. Uh, now, there's a, a book called White Protestant Nation, written by a guy named Alan uh, Leitzman, of uh, The Rise of the Conservative. Uh, the rise of the American conservative movement. Uh, Donald Trump, that guy doesn't scare me. It's the 15 million Americans that support him, and I'm sure a lot of those mm-hmm. guys are with the fraternal order of police. A big problem that we got in this country, we got 5,000 radio stations, 1,500 newspapers, 1,100 magazines, and they're all controlled by six different sources. Yep. Praise God for KPFK and Pacifica. And praise God for you, Brad, because you remind me of Kentucky Fried Chicken in this respect. All you talk about is election fraud. <laughs> and then you talk about some more election fraud. And I'll be damned if that's not the number one issue in this country. Well, Morris, let me ask you this. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, hey, I, I, well, we talk about much more than election fraud on this program and at bradblog.com, but we do talk about it a lot because it does underscore everything else. But how is that yeah, like... Yeah, right. But how is that like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken? Because the Kentucky Fried Chicken, all he does is make chicken. He doesn't make sandwiches. <laughs> he doesn't make burritos. Right on. And when I see you think about you, Brad, I think about election fraud. There's <laughs> nobody else in this country, maybe a little bit of Tom Hartman and, and uh, uh, great policies, that couldn't publish his stuff in this country, being there's a ballot bandits. But you're a hero that nobody knows about. And I'm not blowing no smoke, man. People don't realize how serious election fraud is in this country. What we need to do is just go on back to the paper ballots, uh, counted by hand, like they do in uh, Minnesota. I've never watched television election night and had one of those guys say, excuse me, but we're waiting on Minnesota. 
So it gives us verifiable elections, but it's, it's the way that the elites brad are going to keep us down. Thank you. And that's how they're going to do it. I appreciate that, Morris. Uh, for the record, they don't. They use paper ballots in Minnesota. They don't ha- hand count them in most of the uh, uh, towns in Minnesota, unfortunately, unless there is a really long uh uh, hand recount after the election, as there was in that uh, Al Franken uh, uh, Coleman uh, Senate race back in 2008. Uh, there are some uh, towns there, I think, that do hand count. About 40 percent of the towns in New Hampshire hand count. But at least they got hand marked uh, paper ballots in uh, uh, Minnesota. And for now, even though they're run through computers, uh, I'll take it. That's a lot better than a lot uh, a lot of jurisdictions around the country have. Thanks, Morris. Greatly appreciate yeah, the call. Always good to hear from you. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman, and I'm finger-licking good. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Melting for Desi Doyen here live in the KPFK Pacifica Radio Studios somewhere in North Hollywood. Somewhere. Is that, is that where we are? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's getting confusing. Uh, in any event, uh, well, let's get to it because we actually have a, a comment on this Green News report that I want to see if I have some time for. So let's get to it. Uh, our latest Green News report. The Olympic rings have made their way to South America for the first time in history. In the Rio Olympics opening ceremony, Brazil goes big on global warming and the environment. U.S. government to use global warming litmus test for all new projects. Melting Arctic ice, uncovering anthrax and toxic waste. Happy Earth Overshoot Day. Plus, the families say there's no plan if something goes wrong. Florida gets approval to release genetically modified mosquitoes. What could possibly go wrong? All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The ceremony itself was as spectacular as you'd expect, featuring everything from fireworks to plants forming the Olympic rings before having a full-on plant gasm. Yeah, kinda. This is your Green News Report. If people in that stadium start giving birth to palm trees in nine months, you will know why. Okay, Desi Doyen, I didn't watch the uh, opening ceremony from the Olympics live. I taped it, but boy, howdy, 
I knew something went on when I started receiving texts and tweets and everything else that, oh my God, global warming has made it into the opening ceremony. I know, and we will have more on that spectacular focus at the Rio Olympics in a moment. But first, Brazil and the United States are both grappling with the spread of the mosquito-borne Zika virus, which is linked to serious birth defects. Here in the U.S., the Centers for Disease Control has issued its first ever domestic travel warning, warning pregnant women to stay away from certain parts of Miami, Florida due to the risk. Now the Food and Drug Administration has cleared the state of Florida to release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes after a similar program successfully reduced mosquito populations in small trials in South America. Robosquitoes? Something like that. Now Florida residents are naturally wary of the GMO mosquitoes. The families understand the effort to fight Zika and other mosquito-borne diseases, but they're dead set against using this neighborhood and their children in an experiment with genetically modified bugs. They will have an opportunity to vote on whether to proceed in November. And of course, scientists warn that global warming is expanding the territory of the species of mosquito that carries the Zika virus. Monday marked Earth Overshoot Day. That's the point in the year when humans have extracted and used up more natural resources than the planet can regenerate in a single year. Things like forests and fisheries and raw materials. According to the Global Footprint Environmental Group, this year is the earliest Earth Overshoot Day ever, five days earlier than last year. The Obama administration White House Council on Environmental Quality has ordered federal agencies to include climate change impacts as a factor when deciding whether to approve major infrastructure projects. Good for them. That took long enough. I know. That is the same sort of litmus test that President Obama used to reject the Keystone XL pipeline. Of course, the rule now faces likely court challenges and potential legislation blocking it from the Republican majority in Congress. Some bizarre news. The Arctic is warming twice as fast as the rest of the planet, and all of that melting ice has exposed two new threats. In remote Siberia, where temperatures this summer hit a record 95 degrees Fahrenheit, scientists believe that dormant anthrax spores have been released from melting permafrost. That's killed at least one person so far and infected nearly a dozen others. Scientists say anthrax can remain frozen but viable for decades. In Greenland, melting ice is threatening to release frozen toxic waste from an abandoned World War II-era U.S. military base called Camp Century. You know, this entire Green News report sounds like (laughs) three uh, terrible science fiction movies all mashed up. Yeah, well, this facility was literally built under Greenland's ice sheet, which is, of course, now melting. Scientists at the University of Colorado in Boulder warn that as the planet warms, toxic waste that was once safely stored at the site, things like PCBs, sewage, radioactive wastewater, diesel fuel, those could all be exposed and eventually released into the local environment. Unbelievable. Finally, the opening ceremonies of the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, on Friday were the first ever Olympics hosted from South America, and the centerpiece of the spectacle was a call to address global warming and deforestation. The heat is melting the ice cap. Look at Greenland in the last decade. It's disappearing very quickly. When the ice melts, the level of the sea rises. What a challenge for the coastline cities. 
Dance and music were incorporated with visualizations of scientific data showing rising global temperatures, melting ice, and rising seas. And each Olympic athlete carried and planted a seed of hope from a native Brazilian tree that will eventually grow into a forest. It was likely the most widely watched warning on climate change ever broadcast in history. Yeah, probably the most science that has been on network television in Lord knows how long. That too. Can't imagine anything like like that in an opening ceremony in an Olympics held here in the U.S. No doubt. Very cool. For much more on that story and all of the other ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes, uh, we are back with our uh, uh, gold medal winning uh, producer, Desi Doyne. Thank you very much for that. Very quickly, I've got um, Harry Morell writes about our latest Green News report there. Hi, Brad and Desi. GMO mosquitoes are different, are a different world from GMO food. We don't eat GMO mosquitoes. I think he was suggesting that we were against GMO mosquitoes for the same reason that, uh, you know, we have concerns about GMO food. Not, not really. I was kind of joking that we could end up with, you know, monster mosquitoes. <laughs> right. What could go wrong? He says, to understand the difference, follow the money and the jobs. GMO mosquitoes are produced by educated biological workers, hopefully made in America. I think he's talking about the mosquitoes, not the workers. They're made <laughs> in America. Uh, maybe. I don't know. And are much more effective at eradicating mosquitoes than using the fossil fuel industry and its automated chemical factories. Follow the money. More money goes to American workers making GMO mosquitoes versus more profits for the fossil fuel industry. He adds, plus, insecticides are a general class of chemicals that are nerve poisons. In particular, brain poisons. They are implicated in Parkinson's disease and bee colony failure, etc. So... Well yeah. Yeah. So basically, the the, the issues with uh, genetically modified mosquitoes. Yes, as a cost benefit analysis, they are better than uh, I would say pesticides, which are petroleum based. And yeah, yeah, that would support the petroleum industry. But uh, the the health benefits um, are something that can that, that can be discussed. But my question about the GMO mosquitoes is whether or not they will get into the mosquito population and uh, confer their transgenic genes upon other mosquitoes. They're not supposed to. That's what the company says they're not going to do. We'll see if that actually happens. It's kind of a big experiment. So we could end up with 2,000 pound monster mosquitoes in Florida. I suppose that's within the realm of possibility, but that seems doubtful. Harry Morrell, you're wrong. Apparently, Desi says so. Uh, anyway, thanks for that note. Uh, Harry, if you'd like to drop me some email, you can. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And uh, you can also find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it at bradblog.com. Also, thanks to our great callers. We'll be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. But stay tuned anyway. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.